Are you ready for firearm-friendly social media? Big tech hates you, your firearms, and your lifestyle. They'll continually throttle and delete your firearm-related content and the ability to see content you want. Every day, your friends, favorite influencers, gun shops, or manufacturers get canceled and banned. They will not stop until you no longer have a voice. There is an alternative. Gunspace. Gunspace has taken the best components of top social media and fused them together for a unique social experience. A scrollable feed, clubs, podcast network, forum, and an NFT creator are features of this app. We want you to socialize and engage with other firearm enthusiasts, dealers, manufacturers, without random unwanted posts or unrelated advertising. Gunspace, the firearms-friendly social media. Download Gunspace, one word, in the App Store now. You can find us on Gunspace at C-I-P-O-D. That's C-I-P-O-D. All right, it's the Clone and Correct Boys with iDriveFire 22s, and we're going to get after it. We're going to get after what? No, we're not. Man, that opening was awesome, wasn't it? That was sick. Let's say, who's doing the actual intro here? I thought that was it. That was it. Oh, wow. Was it not? Why not? That's fine. We're going to do low-tier introductions until people stop giving us bad reviews. (laughs) We're going to make the shittiest podcast until we stop getting bad reviews, yes. We're going to punish you in submission. I mean, I think that's a good good way to go about things. I was going to say, half our audience likes uh, goth girls, so they'll, uh, they'll probably be into getting punished into submission. Only half? <laughs> we'll spit in your food, too. I married a goth girl. That's, that's awesome. The beatings will continue until morale improves. We can beat them with uh, Dry Fire 22's new Milwaukee Pike. Yeah, the Milwaukee Pike. Fucking impale a motherfucker. Did you buy that just because it says Milwaukee on it? No, I bought it because it looked cool. It definitely Fair. looks cool. Look at that. I've actually got three of them now. <laughs> what do you use them for? <laughs> He's I making FG42 bayonets. It's okay. It's a meme thing, man. I just get, I got ideas in my head. I just haven't. I just got to go through them. Get a little spare time. Make something stupid. Put it on the gram. You know. I'm trying. I'm looking at Harbor Freight's website, seeing what I can get you to buy. Love Harbor Freight. We just got a Harbor Freight here. They're spreading. Like literally a a year ago, like a year ago, our Harbor Freedom. I like some of their garbage shit, like screwdrivers and magnetic trays and that kind of shit. I heard their uh, their rifle cases are pretty good. Yeah, like probably like those. I mean, I don't like hard cases anyway, but they're probably pretty good. I was looking at one of their vices, to be honest. I mm, I don't know. That I would. Get a vice. I like their jack stands. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I also like gambling with my life. I mean, I do have a Harbor Freight Jack, the big one. The nice big one that is like super loud on the driveway. That's how you know it's quality. Oh, dude, taking your floor jack for a walk is the is the best midnight activity. The louder it is, that's how you know it's like strong and well built. As well as uh, starting your straight pipe to V8 at midnight. I like to do that sometimes. It's almost as loud as a rolling a jack across the driveway. Almost. So who's this Return of the Poor's guy, and why are you guys going to shit on him? <laughs> I, don't know who, I don't know who he is, but anytime I post anything positive about shotguns or PCCs, it's he magically appears. His whole <laughs> shtick is just being contrary to everything. You can say aim points are good optics, and he'd be like, well, actually... 
Oh, actually, the Vortex Strike Fire is a better <laughs> optic. Tooly. Go Schmidt and Bender make some really quality. Uh, well, actually, um, actually, the 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 Vortex Viper and uh, this Crossman scope I found at Walmart are better. Oh yeah, Tasco's so much better. I don't know what his problem is with me, but it literally anytime I post something, he's like contrarian about it. And then, especially like shotguns, like the shotgun thing from you know yesterday and today, like kind of turned into a personal attack. Like he made a meme because I said shotguns are viable as self defense tools, and then turned around. Turned around this morning, and when I posted my bell curve meme, he was like, you know, mad about your bird gun. And I'm like, you know, okay, well, my bird gun uh, makes me pretty happy because I got a lot of good memories with my grandpa out of it. But, uh, you know, it's not the gun I'm using beside my bed to shoot someone in the face with. And how often do you do that? Um, You know, so crime is on the rise here. I, I well, I've been through three wives in the last year because of what you're saying. Well, uh, let, let I'm me just put, wondering let, if I have a problem or um, no. Or if that's other people about, do it too. Oh, it's about normal. Okay, good. All right. Um, real talk, like, so you know, I don't hide where I live. Um, the caliber of criminal stepped up the other day. Uh, we had a dude get arrested in town with a glicky with a switch and level four body armor was he stealing what? a car stereo dealing drugs nice um that'll land you a while in the past fentanyl and heroin yeah between that and the uh in meth the fun, the fun switch he's going away for a couple days um so i have some inside baseball just because of who i'm married to baseball, atf baseball. yeah baseball baseball um ATF picked up the case immediately. He's fucked. Basically, anything gun-related that happens here, like, ATF picks it up and fucking runs with it. You know, I was in the uh, the gun shop the other day, and I was talking to my buddy, and he said that, have you guys heard of uh, Utah Gun Exchange? Yes. It's kind of our local buy-and-sell thing. So, there was this guy in there that was, he had a large collection of SIGs or something, and he wanted to just stick with HK, so he's just going to sell off everything he didn't want, and and then buy HK. So he, he posted all these guns that he wanted to sell. And the ATF showed up at the door and asked for his uh, FFL. He's like, I don't have an FFL. I don't need one. He says, well, you're, you're selling too many guns. It's a business. And so I don't know if they're prosecuting or what. Not the first time I've heard that. I actually have a friend back home in Ohio. Uh, he just likes to wheel and deal things and trade up and all that stuff. So he'll buy something, trade up, and throw it out on public forum. He actually got a visit from the ATF not too long ago, saying the same thing: like, "Where's your FFL? You know, you're you're trading and selling too many guns a year. This is a business." Um, from what I understand, they're not pressing charges, but they basically threatened him and said, "Hey, if you keep doing this, we're gonna we're gonna make bad things happen." A warning visit. Basically, like, uh, I'm going to put the fear of God into you visit. Respect my authority. Dude's a good dude, too. I mean, I bought a couple of guns off him. He's, you know, he's straight and narrow. He's not a bad dude. Rest in peace, Ohio man. Uh, rest in peace, Ohio man. Meanwhile, me, a legitimate international arms dealer at this point. 
It's a lot of red tape with that. It kind of kind of is odd. You know, and the the funny thing, the funny thing with my job is the the American ATF is not the problem. It's the German equivalent. Yeah, I'm not surprised. There, you think our ATF is bad? Holy shit! Anything German? Oh my god, they're so bad. That shit where they have to like remove a whole lug off the bolt of an AR to sell over there is so weird. The German government used to be so cool. <laughs> right? There was this dude. He Hold had a up. funny mustache. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, but real talk, I mean, there's some there's some weird shit we have to do here and there. And, like, one of our Form 6s will get approved by, you know, our ATF. And the German equivalent will get the approval, and they'll be like, okay, and they automatically sit on it for, like, like they're not allowed to process it for three months. Mm-hmm. They, right. by law, have to sit on it. That's weird. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Germany normally sits on things and spins. Uh, normally they gas things. Oof, edgy joke. Well, edgy? They fucking de-louse things. What do you fucking mean that's yeah, edgy? Just de-lousing. It's, everybody gets a shower. Wait a minute. De-lousing as in, like, how we de-loused louse with uh, <laughs> bombs? Nice. With, good uh, try. With thousands of pounds of napalm. I'll give that one a C for effort. Absolutely. Nobody, nobody will get that reference either. No, but it's weird. Uh, Especially now that we're we have two exporters in Germany, it's it's weird. We have a we call her the Lord of War. The Lord of War. The Lord of oh, War. I thought you said the Lord of I thought War. You said Lord. <laughs> I was like, that no, was way funnier. Like, is she big? This this lady, uh, her name is Sabine. And I have no idea where she finds her guns, but she finds the most off-the-wall shit. And it's, like, to the point we can't even accept half the shit that she offers us. Like, legitimately, she offered us 30,000 Russian Makarovs at 300 (laughs) euro apiece. That's a ridiculous number. (laughs) And we were like, uh... Like, my boss was like, do we have to take all 30,000? And she was like, yeah, you have to take all 30,000. He's like, I can't, I, I don't have room for 30,000 Makarovs. Like, what am I going to do with them? And she's like, you sell them. And then she's like, I can't even, he's like, I can't even import them. They're Russian. Like, I can't even touch these. She's like, no, no, we remark Bulgarian. Also, that's 9 million euros, <laughs> isn't it? That's crazy. We We can afford it. Okay, humble brag. Let's let's just let's just say that and leave it at that. Our company's doing pretty good, <laughs> unless it's P eight A ones. Anybody want to buy a P eight A one? Yeah. Ooh. If if somebody wants to buy a P eight A one, just hit up M one Ping. He'll sell you one gladly. Send me pictures. I'm sitting on like 200 of them, so if somebody wants one, let me know. How much physical space does that take up, like cubic feet? Not much. It's like Actually, a 5 by 5 by 5 cube? No, so there's 50 in a box. 
Um, and a box is like three feet long by like a foot and a half tall. Because they're just in those standard H&K black, like plastic cases that you get like a P30 in. Mm. And you can fit a lot of those into a medium-sized box. I just dropped a a fire meme. Um, It's hilarious. Actually, uh, on on the same note, it's actually kind of funny because our uh, our exporter in Germany puts different symbols on our boxes. So, like, our last shipment was a peace sign to to denote they were ours. Um, And I told my boss why he was over in Germany for Iwa. I was like, hey, since he changes the symbols every time, uh, tell him to put a swastika on the boxes. And and Don just laughed and was like, oh, I doubt it. Apparently, he talked to our exporter, and our exporter's like, don't tip me with a good time. <laughs> so I'm I'm now waiting for swastika-marked boxes. You guys still there? Oh yeah, we're still here. We're waiting for you to talk. You're the guest. We we Uh, just work here. So there's this guy at my uh, my local gun shop that I go to a lot, and he's like just a wealth of knowledge. And every time I go in there, I learn something new. He's always got one day he's talking about exotic fish, next day he's talking about just random shit. This guy's just a, a brain. And uh, so he's talking about HK and their uh, financial troubles and, and shutting down the HK plant in Germany. And he said, we should like get a bunch of people together that really hate HK and we'll buy the company and we'll move the manufacturing to the U.S. And then we'll bring out everything that, that everybody wanted that HK wouldn't produce for America but everything will take Glock mags. Should call it Operation Paperclip Two. <laughs> just to just to get back at HK boys, just like speaking speaking of Glock, why we're why we're there? Who's uh who's who's studding out their horses to Glock? Well, that's their secondary business. Somebody is. That's for sure. That's what Georgia, his wife. Forges, are you going to stud out your horse yeah, to Glock? Yeah, I'll get some Glock cum. <laughs> you want some Glock cum? And a cum? shower rod or whatever the fuck. His first <laughs> patent. What was it? A shower um, rod or a shower curtain or some shit? It was, it was something like that. Something just off the wall. Just imagine no, the Glock logo going back. perfection on a shower rod. Right. No, but a real talk going back to the uh, the buying out HK thing and making making guns that HK won't sell. Um, 
So my eyes got kind of open when I started at the job I work out now. It's not that HK doesn't want to sell us civilian MP7s. They would gladly do so. It's it's it really is just German law preventing that from happening. It's it's weird and it's hard to explain. I but let's try HK methods. I'm on to you. Okay, yeah. You, you caught me. Um, buy SP5s. They're great. Uh, contact the attic imports for your SP5. You guys like my uh, my smooth little plug there? I would I would love an MP5 kind of or even a clone Turkish clone or whatever the fuck those are. I wouldn't care. I mean, I'd just buy SP5s the German one. Five grand, right? <laughs> no. Okay, they're like three. Half that, roughly. Okay. Roughly half that. I remember when they came out. It's like we four ninety nine ninety nine. Fuck no, we so we shipped the Euro version, uh, for three K. Three K shipped to your FFL. Um, they do come with little stupid ten round magazines. Ooh, fun! You know, ammo, yeah, well, ammo savers. Again, they're ammo savers. Uh, they're German, and that's why we we don't have the U.S. models. We have the actual German model, which doesn't say you know read manual before use on the side of the magazine. Well, apparently that's just a U.S. thing. That's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. It goes to tell you about your average U.S. consumer, though. Yeah. Nobody fucking reads those anyway. Um, and then we do uh, we do SP5Ks. We do the Euro model. Uh, we have some cool things coming. I'm not allowed to talk about in the SP5 line. But I promise you, they're very cool, and uh, some people are gonna. I wish. <laughs> um, not quite, but some people are gonna jizz their pants up with what we're about to bring in. So, uh, if you're an HK fanboy, looking at you, James, uh, James Williamson, who does not listen to this podcast, um. Yeah. He's he's about to about to come in his pants when he sees what we're getting ready to bring in. That's all I can say. Cool. That's a nice tease. Oh, I like teasing people. Industry insider. Um, well, give me you know, initials. give me two initials and a number. Need a hint. <laughs> mm. <laughs> come on. Starts with SP, ends with W. Oh. Uh, also, one that ends with P and a number. That have uh, been sitting in a warehouse for about 35 years. And for people that are in the know, they'll know what I'm talking about. 
Is it really quiet? No, it's not quiet. It's loud. Um, right. It has yeah. something unique you have to do to shoot it, though. It's kinda got a nickname. And I'll leave it at that. That's your, uh, that's your attic tease for this All episode. Right. That's something to go on. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, we just bring in, you know, weird, cool guns. We've got a got a thing with uh, a custom shop in Germany lined up for some custom uh, CZs, which is cool. Every time, every time I see a custom CZ, like with an RMR or some kind of optic, I'm like, damn, I should get one of those. This is kind of on that line. Uh, they're custom long slides with 1911 bushing oh. style barrels and stuff. It's it's actually pretty cool. That's different. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat. Like CZ neat custom gun. type stuff. Kind of, but by a by the, I guess I would call it the original shop in Germany. The original CZ. No, the the custom the, shop. Custom shop. One of the original custom makers of CZ seventy fives. They do some cool shit. They've done some shit with Ruger. Um, the shop's name is Franconia. Um, and they did some shit with Ruger back in the day. It was kind of cool. We got a couple of their revolvers in, uh, and they were, they were really cool to see. Um, and while my boss was at Iwa, he started talks to start importing, uh, some of their CZ-75 stuff. So it should come through pretty excited. It's a, I don't know, it's a weird business. Talks happen, talks don't always go through. Importing seems like much more of a, I don't know, more business-like thing than just being a regular gun it's, shop. It's it's very business-like. So, you know, talking to the guys we sent to Iwa, right? Like, so... Shot show is like a week long party with drinking and after parties and all that shit. Uh, Eva is very much a business setting and it's very business casual and people are well groomed, but at the same time, like all the sex dungeons, every booth has. It's not even just that. Like, every booth has alcohol. Like, you jump from booth to booth at Eva, and everybody has whatever their country's best alcohol is, and you go, I want a shot. And they're like, okay, here you go. <laughs> so it's like professional shot show. I, I like That's the best I can describe it from what I've heard, is it's professional shot show. So no real tree. Yeah, no real tree. 
Lots of HK, lots of CZ, lots of uh, polos and khakis. Turkish guns, lots of polos and like tactical pants. Some cringe. Like I got some really meme stuff from from Eva from my boss that I'm just kind of sitting on. How how meme? Very meme. How meme? Like worse than Punisher Skull. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It sounds ominous. <laughs> it's very ominous. It's bad. <laughs> And like it was, it was funny this year because my boss ran into Jerry Mitchell act over there, and uh, I guess Jerry was at like the Smith booth for Smith and Wesson Europe. Wow! <laughs> and my boss just walked up to him and was like, "Long way from home, eh?" <laughs> and he just looked at my boss and was like. Yeah, it's my first time here. I'm like, nobody speaks fucking English. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, it's fucking Germany. And they they went on for like half an hour, apparently, talking. Because, just because they were both American. Not a lot of people spoke English there. They do, but they don't lead with it. Oh, yeah, well, that is what sense. I understand. They will, uh, they lead with German and then they go from there. I'm hoping, um, so I'm, I'm trying to convince my boss to take me next year. So hopefully I can, I can do a, a little bit of Eva content next year. Especially with my new job responsibilities at work. I need to, I need to go talk to my supplier. Bring some fucking shit back. Uh, I'll bring some sausages. You mean some chocolate? I'll bring some (laughs) chocolate. I don't know. It looks like a good time, just, you know, outside the business shit. One schnitzel, please. You know, I am mostly German. I do make that food at home, so I, I mean, I would be at home. Schnitzel and spatzel are, are regular things in my house. Oh, schnitzel, that's fun to make. It's fucking. It's fucking. It is good. fun to make. Yeah, it is. So spatzel. That's the pasta one, right? That's the pasta oh, yeah. one. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not super into that one. Our guest just left, so that's cool. No, I was wrong. I know it was. <laughs> it, it, it was a joke. We hate him anyway. He's been he's been quiet. I, I want to hear the plans for this this spike. <laughs> I can't reveal the plans. Come on. Can we get a tease? Oh, it's gun related. Daddy. Oh. Does it involve a can launcher? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that'd be cool. 
I can see a can launcher and a dildo and a spike, and I like where that's going for meme purposes. Little Bonnie meme with a dildo spike or something. Something making fun of gun bunnies, yeah. That's that's yeah. perfect. So many possibilities. And can launchers are so fun, but so retarded. I should have bought one. Ah, oh, they're so stupid. <laughs> a what? Can cannons. The the. There's a 308 one too, which is apparently much more powerful. That's the one I want. Like my buddy's got the five five six, and it's fun. I want the three hundred eight. Problem is finding readily available three hundred eight blanks, though. Is it? I mean, five five six blanks are everywhere. Like three hundred eight blanks, probably got to actually look for. I feel them. like they're. I feel like they're probably not that hard to find probably, though, but just because the military used so many not, of them. But they're probably expensive as fuck. That's true. Are they and still making them? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they still make them. They, they changed the design to, to come in compliance with ATF. So they still make them. Oh, what, they're just longer? No, they're not longer. They, like, they're the same length. But they did something to the inner barrel where the blank gets chambered that where basically if you chamber a live round, it blows you up. <laughs> nice. So you can't make a like impromptu SBR out of a can can. I don't know why you would want like an inch and a half barrel. I don't I don't think I don't think anybody was doing that. Like, but ATF gonna ATF, so you know, bitches be bitches. But yeah, they had the they had to change the inner barrel. It's like capped off now. Like if you actually look at one, the inner barrel has like where the muzzle on the old ones was open. It's now like capped off and shit, so a live round can't leave the muzzle. It like just disintegrates itself if you shoot a live round in it. I do wonder how bad that would be for if it would just be like a bunch of shit in the chamber. I mean, that would probably blow up the gun, right? Like with yeah. the capped off one or the not capped, the off, capped one? off one? Oh, yeah, it's going to blow up. It's done. Better or worse than a 300 blackout in a 556 barrel? I would imagine worse. Yeah. I don't know. Someone, you've only, I mean, granted, the barrel... Sacrifice. The, the barrel's ported, but I don't think it's ported enough to release enough gas pressure to not be worse. Plus, you're going to have a can exploding with whatever's in it. Oh, God. What if it's, like, Bud Light? Ugh. Beans. <laughs> Frank and Beans. Is it capped off so the projectile just stops right there, has nowhere to go? I don't know because I've never seen someone put a live round in one of the new ones. 
I've seen it because my friend has one. So he has one of the new ones. It's capped off to where like it's not open on the end anymore. But I don't know what would happen, and I know I can't convince him to fire a light out of it had, because it it's a, looked like it just had a valve you. on the end, like a tiny hole. It was yeah. way less than twenty-two caliber. But ATF still said that was viable for a short barrel <laughs> rifle. Stupid. I I don't disagree. But I can't I can't convince my friend to shoot a live round out of his because it's this I shit you not it's this home defense gun. He's got an expired can of beanie weenies and a grenade launching blank in it. He doesn't have like an he doesn't have a five five six blank. He has a five five six grenade launching blank in it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's getting hit with an expired can of beanie weenies with an ex- with a fucking five by six grenade launcher, dummy, with cans and different cans of soda and like a can of Monster, little <sighs> short. Um, well, I guess cans. I guess I get I guess uh, hanging uh, fuck Kentucky ballistics. That's right up his fucking alley. Someone please get on this. We need answers. Kentucky Ballistics. Also, someone make, please make a giant wad in like a shot cup and just put rocks in it or something. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's a felony. A pound of fucking lead shot in it. Yeah, what is it? A 12-ounce soda weigh? Almost a pound, yeah. Like 12 ounces or something? Weighs 12... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Twelve yeah, ounces water, or something like that. Close to that. <laughs> How much does twelve ounces sort of weigh? I don't know, like twelve ounces no, it's, or it's, something. It's, I don't know. Def- definitely a pound and a half. Definitely twenty-four ounces. I mean, it's like point seven five pounds for a twelve ounce can. I don't think regular cans fit because I remember trying to put regular cans down. They do no. Some the of them. one, the one my buddy has. No, the, so the one where my buddy has. I mean, we shot like regular Coke cans and shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, like great, um, like soup cans and shit, raviolis. Oh yeah, it, it's got to be an odd shaped soup can to fit, but like pop cans Even, fit. Uh, Water bottles fit like the the half liter water bottles. Those fit. Yes, they they do fit, but they don't survive, oh, they survive. the exit. <laughs> oh, <It's> just, <laughs> not the ones like we try to They shoot. definitely survive. <laughs> they just don't go very far. Uh, you say we shot full ones. Yeah, I could see how that would not work. survive water. <laughs> they they exploded. The uh, the can cannon was clean when we were done, though. Oh, you know what almost fits? What got that almost al- fits? Got that? Got that instant? What almost fits? What almost fits is spray paint cans. 
It's just oh god, tantalizingly close to fitting, but it just doesn't quite fit in there. We we can we can we we can make a wad. No, no, it's just barely too big. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, we can make a bigger barrel. Yeah. I know a machinist. He can make us a bigger you barrel. You could just machine out a tiny bit of the barrel, and it would probably fit. It was that close. So, without doxing you, I'm not going to mention where you live. But is that legal where you live, uh, technically? I don't know. I would assume no, Fair but enough. it's probably fine. <laughs> I mean, by definition, okay, it's like me, a single let shot. Clar- so. Let me clarify, with the part of the state that you live in, and nobody just nobody cares. I was gonna say nobody gives a fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, ever burnt a fucking whole tire? Boy, yes, I have. Put out. I also live in. Yeah, they are. I also live in a state that does not give a fuck about anything. I'm pretty sure one of my local sheriff deputies has like four illegal SBRs. Like, just just saying. We're all we're all pretty much fucked the ATF here. So, do you have an X three hundred turbo? Does anyone have a turbo yet? Not yet. Um. I have them in the cart for RSR for like favorites, but every every review I've seen on it is awesome, especially considering the lit down that was the Modlite PL three fifty. Oh yeah, how did they fuck up the body? I want to talk about like, it. All they had to do is make like a tube, a single ended tube, and some switches. The body's not what's fucked up. Oh, it's the mount? The, the body switches? and the head. I've heard it's like all those. No. So the body and the head of the Modlite PL350 are great. The Generation 1 Picatinny rail adapter yeah. fucking sucks. That I've heard too. But they fixed that. They fixed it, and they sent me a free one. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie because I've been doing an extended review on one. It's on my uh it's on my STI, my twenty eleven. Um the the first time I took it out to the range, I got through fifty rounds problem free, and after fifty rounds everything went to shit. Uh literally pretty much everything. So my my lights started walking off the end of the gun because of the way the Picatinny rail adapter, the rail adapter was designed, the actual thing that holds it in the slot. Um, and my switches failed. So I would turn the light on, and within, you know, three, four shots, the light would turn itself off. Now... 
I'm a very big, like, you don't need momentary on your pistol light kind of guy. Because I just, you know, hit the switch and turn it on anyways. That only works if your light doesn't turn itself off in four rounds. Yeah, you get momentary whether you like it or not. Yeah, right? Like, I got momentary because I fired four shots and it turned itself off. Um... So I warranty I I did a write up on my Instagram probably a year ago, year and a half ago, um, talking about my initial impressions, and I didn't hold back. I told I I said you know hey you know the the rail adapter kind of sucks, the switches on mine failed. I'm gonna do a warranty claim, and I didn't even get my warranty claim in. Modlite reached out to me. And they're like, hey, give us your original order number, give us our, your shipping address, send us back your body, we'll do the upgraded switches, and we'll give you the Gen 2 uh, rail adapter. And I said, okay, and then I sent it all in, had everything fixed, and since it's come back, I haven't had any issues with it. Um. It's it works as advertised. The only the only different the only thing left at this point I have to pitch about with it is uh, I had to take a blow dryer to my holster for uh, a half an hour to get it to fit. That sucks. That's that's the one big selling you know, point of the turbo is that I it was, will hundred percent fit. It will one hundred percent fit. Um. My mod light did not. Your mileage may marry, vary because I've heard, you know, several Glock guys. Um, it seems like the Glock holsters with uh, X300s work very well with the mod lights. I think it has something to do with the gun. But anybody I've talked to that's running like a 2011 or a similar profile gun uh, has had issues getting their mod lights in the holsters without modifiers. Um, that said, I really do like having the PLH V2 throw and lumen output with the, the mod light light. Like, it's great. You know, the, the performance is great. Now that my switches aren't turning themselves off, it's great. Uh, the guys at the indoor range hate me because I'll, you know, I'll shut off my, my lane's lights and I'll like draw my gun and turn the light on and shoot just under light. And I've almost been kicked off the range <laughs> twice because of it. Because the, the light is too intense, apparently. Um, it's the bezel has standed, has stood up fine to recoil and muzzle blast. Like I've got a nice little carbon mark, but. You know, my lens hasn't cracked or anything. Um, I'm still using the original head that I got with the the original light, which was a... Um, the original light body was a drop body. So, like, the first day they were available, I ordered one. Because I do really like mod light long gun lights. You know, all my long guns have mod lights on them. Um, so I thought, hey, the handgun light's gotta be just as good. 
first impressions they weren't. Uh, now I'm pretty comfortable with saying if you bought, you know, if you bought one, uh, you're probably pretty safe. That said, I without touching a turbo, I still say you're probably better off with a turbo. The only bad thing I've heard about the turbo yeah. is apparently it dims pretty quickly after like five to ten minutes. Yeah, but how long are you five to ten minutes well, in your that, weapon life? I think it's battery use, not I don't think it's thermal throttling. I think it's just the like voltage dips and then it's like, okay, I'm a dimmer light now. Oh, yeah. like it drains the battery then you have, that like, fast. Another hour or two of just get, it's half as bright. I could see that just because it's still using one, two, threes. Like they didn't they didn't go to the 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 eighteen three fifty. Which is something the the mod light yeah. has going for it is it Man, does use an eighteen three fifty Neotech that takes eighteen three fifties. Please. God. Can you imagine? Can you, you like, imagine an EXPS dash like twelve three? minutes of runtime? That'd be insane. It would be great. I could leave it on for an entire range <laughs> session. That's funny. I replaced my EOTech battery yesterday. Um, I battery checked mine two weeks ago and actually had to replace. I, I put it off for like about a week and I turned it on and it gave me the warning, the blinking, and I just kept turning it on. Yeah. Like, once or twice a day until it completely <laughs> died and it took about a week. Like every time I remembered, I'd be like, oh, turn it you know on. What, you, know, you know what the difference between you and me is? You have a CR123 oh, OTEC. I have a double A. What is the runtime with lith I, two lithium double A's? It's actually about the same. The problem is, is finding lithium really? double A's regularly. <laughs> Walmart has like yeah, oh yeah. 24 packs. I, double A's Not are kind of dying, Walmart. I guess, anyway. Um, yeah. A fucking a, a the M4 only, on a single lithium double A is like 110,000 hours or something. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I have a Comp M4 with a lithium battery in it that I've had for four years. And it's on one of the middle settings, and I've never turned it off. Yeah, it's like 14 years it's of battery life or something. It's, it's something stupid. Granted, me, with my horrible eyesight, uh... The aim points don't play as well as the EOTechs. So I do prefer EOTech. Um, I bought a AA one for the classic looks and the price because it was cheap. And at this point, I've told myself that when I kill it from recoil abuse, I will get a 123 one and go from there. 
It's on my Mark 18, so it won't I, take I long. I'll want kill it pretty quick. M4, Comp M4. Just because they're huge and stupid. I have one. I have one on my M16 clone. I did a. I did an M16 clone with a Comp M4 because I wanted to be different. Everybody puts an ACOG on their guns. I, yeah, I want like. Um, an A4 with a Comp M4. I just said that's what I had. I think I dry fired 20 pieces to contribute. (laughs) Is he still here? Sitting here playing with my PCC. What do you got? What do you got? That's stupid. It's a. I like PCC, so to be stupid, it's going to have to be really stupid. Oh, dude. It, yeah, maybe I'll post pics of this on Instagram. So it's a, with, it's a, stag. With a spike. No, this one doesn't have a spike. It's a, it's a stag nine. It's just a nine millimeter blowback, 16 inch. Nothing special. But I wanted to, um, I wanted to throw parts on it to see if I could make it like a competition worthy gun. Like we just did minimal shit. Like I did a, a comp and a hydraulic buffer and it's got a hyper fire trigger in it. And it shoots okay. I'm going to shoot it in the PCSL match tomorrow, but everybody on my, uh, squad that I shoot with, they all shoot JP fives. I'm like, yeah, JP fives are the coolest and stuff. So I, Dude. I, I took my label maker and I wrote, I made JP5 spelled J A Y P E E 5. Stuck it on the side of the receiver. So, so, real talk. One of the dudes at the shop I work with, our shipping guy, right? He is a big USPSA PCC guy. Like, and he's good. Like, he is a good USPSA PCC guy. Like he's an A class shooter with PCC. Yeah. He's fast as fuck when his gun does not malfunction. And he's been talking, like talking. He's like, I want to get a JP five. I want to get a JP five. I'm like Carter, your gun runs fine. Like, do you really need one? He's like, yeah, yeah, I want to start traveling and doing matches, you know, outside of local matches. And I said, okay, if you start doing that, it's worth it. I said, otherwise, keep with the gun you know and that you know works. He's like, yeah, I guess you're right. And then he kind of laughs at me for my weaved out Mark 18 Yeah, sometimes, you know, you you want to upgrade to something bigger and nicer, but it's just like anything. It's not necessary can, all the time. You're going to take that step up, and then all of a sudden you're on this different level, and you don't want to go back down to something. That's when you start selling all your shit and buying nicer things. But JP5s are nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I've shot one. It's a nice gun. Um. 
You know, and for someone of his shooting capability, like, his skill level with a PCC, it's not a bad investment if he stops just competing at the local match. Like, if he dedicates himself to going around and traveling and doing X, Y, and Z, you know, great investment. If he's just going to shoot once a month at our local matches, he might as well just shoot his gun. The one he has now. Like, there's no point in investing in the next level if you're just going to, like, stomp on the local guys. If that makes sense. I don't know. You can stomp on the local guys and look really good while you're doing it. Oh, that's fair. That's my buddies, too. They walk all over me. And then you got me that, you know, shows up and has a good time and wears my eat-ass, be-trash shirt. And, uh, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a solid, low B-class shooter. I'm proud of it. I'm better than your average Joe. I like Steel Challenge, which means that I'm a nerd. And you just like to go fast. And I shoot Steel Challenge with a 1911. There you go. I shoot, yeah, I shoot Steel Challenge once a month. Yeah, that's yep. all we do here. Local match once a month. I shoot single stack with my Nighthawk and... You know, the Air Force kids that show up are like, oh, my God, that's an expensive 1911. I'm like, oh, my God, I can go faster with a better gun. You know, what we've been shooting lately is um, I-Core. You know what that is? Revolver Just, stuff? Yeah. So we got a bunch of revolver nerds in a club. And... They finally got their I-Core match set up, so doing that once a month. So it's it's low cap, right? So you can first mag has, or you, yep. you know, ten rounds, and the rule is ten rounds in your uh, semi-auto at all times. You can't have eleven. So yep, all you your can't load more than ten. So every everything on your belt has nine in it, and so you go through and and just. Pose just and it's based on you know accuracy pretty much accuracy and time. Yep. And the aiming isn't hard to do. And uh, but the good thing about those matches is reset is just quick because there's not as many targets, and we can shoot six stages in about two and a half hours. We're yeah. Done for- we and- used to have I-Core here, and they stopped doing it. Just because there was only like four guys that were showing up to shoot I Corps. Yeah. Um game. Me me and a couple of guys tried to get PCSL started here and that failed. Uh, we don't have PCSL here. That sucks. Yeah, it does. I'm gonna try to get it going again. But the the dudes here are really fucking committed to three gun. Like they all want to shoot three gun. I'm like, no, PCSL is the way it goes, and it's shitty because they say no to PCSL, but we have outlaw two gun. And it's like, okay, if we're doing outlaw two gun, why aren't we doing PCSL? 
Yeah, because it's a it's, whole new game and it's funner. It, it is, but it's not that big of a jump to go from two gun to PCSL. No, it's basically the same thing with a different target. Exactly. Um, we have black powder silhouette. So the the boomers show up with their sharps rifles and you shoot black powder silhouettes out to eight hundred, which is actually kind of cool sometimes to see someone ring steel with a sharps rifle at eight hundred with you know fucking iron sights. Okay, that's that's nifty. The first three times I see it. Um, USPSA is a big thing here. Uh, IDPA is still big here. Cool. Get my fishing vest out. That's not realistic. Um, and then uh, we're having our inaugural... Uh, precision rifle match this year, which I actually signed up for. I'm shooting gas gun for that, and then uh, the only other like venue we have here is Cowboy Action. Those fuckers are and, weird. Uh, uh, those fuckers are weird, but I'll give it to them because they all shoot fast as fuck. With guns that you should not shoot fast as fuck with. Like, I've seen some dudes, like, draw single-action armies and empty them faster than some dudes can draw their fucking semi-autos and get a first shot off with. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, kudos to them. Y'all are weird. (laughs) Go for it. My club is weird, like, when it comes to matches, too, like, any of the matches we have, even if they're outlaw matches, like, you can't get scored if you shoot an SBR. So if I had to take my Mark 18 and go shoot with it, I can shoot the match with it, but I can't be ranked at all, because they consider an SBR to be an unfair advantage, even though it's an outlaw match with no rules, really. So I'll show up and I'll shoot my SBR because it's the gun I use the most, but I don't, I don't get the score off it. So you're just doing it for fun. I'm just doing it for fun and practice. Is all. In the G-Watt vibes. I'm shooting a match, um, Outlaw 2 Gun, next weekend down at, um, have you heard of, uh, Long Range Shooters of Utah? Sounds familiar. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a range down in Price, Utah that's got, they got a long range out to a mile or better, and they do the milk jug challenge, and they they go out there and shoot them at a thousand to it a mile crap, but they got a really sweet cowboy town there. It's it's just like everything's like all the door fronts are built to code, you know, with the seismic shit and everything. It's just it's really That's nice. Awesome. And there's steel in every bay. And sometimes we'll set up our our shit in the 
But um, yeah, anything goes down there. Kind of weird. Um, like when you say outlaw match, you're like bending the rules just a little bit, you know? Okay. And then like one of the first matches I was shooting there, there was a the part where you're, you're shooting through windows and then you had to run up a flight of stairs to a landing, shoot some steel, drop your mag, shoot one round. So you got a dead gun, then you can turn 180 and run up the stairs up to the upper landing. So this dude's running up the stairs, finger on the trigger, hops around, goes right through the railing into the bay. He looks at the RO, <laughs> the match director, and he looks at him and goes, what, keep going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like this place. If you uh, if you go back through my Instagram to last summer, I unashamedly post all of my Steel Challenge stuff. Like, I'll, when I go to a match, I'll do like three or four posts in a day. That's here's my Steel Challenge day. And there was, I think it was July or August of last year, I took my Nighthawk. It was the first time I ever took my Nighthawk to Steel Challenge. And the buzzer goes. I go to draw the gun out of the holster, grab it, hit the safety, and as my hands come together, my uh, my trigger finger slipped into the trigger guard, and I tapped a round off. And you can see me in the video. I pause, like, and I look at the fucking the RO, and he, like, shrugs, like, it was close enough to the target. You're not DQ'd. I'm like, oh, okay. And I press the gun the rest of the way out and finish the fucking stage. And that was your 30-second run? Yeah, that was my 30-second run. Because you can, you can see me. Like, I stop, and I'm like, I just got DQ'd for the match. And he looks at me, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, okay. And I press the gun back out, and I keep going. Like, okay, I fucked up. Yeah, I admit to it. It wasn't intentional. It was 100% Nindy. But their rule is like anything within three feet of the target. And I hit the dirt right at like the, the legs of the target. And they were like, oh, you're good. Keep going. I'm like, cool. <laughs> we had an old timer uh, two weeks ago down at that price range. He went, he went to draw, pulls his gun out, didn't have a grip on it, drops a loaded gun hits the boardwalk, lands on the ground. Everybody's like, oh, shit, the old dude just got DQ'd. It's like, then the RL looks at him, he goes, you get one. <laughs> <laughs> he picks up his gun and does, gets a do-over. You're like, what? Dude, like, real talk, so kind of the same vein. I just had to renew my, my concealed carry permit. Mm-hmm. And here we have two different classes. We have a class two where you just sit through the class, you take a test, and you get your license, right? And it's an open book test, so you like flip through it and you find the answers and you know, everything is 100%. You have class one, which is what I carry. Um, class one is the same class, the same open book test. But then you have to go shoot. And our shooting test is uh, seven yards, 
six-round strong hand on a standard-sized sheet of paper, reload six rounds weak hand on a standard-sized sheet of paper, and then they push the target back to 24, or not 24, they push the target back to 15 yards, and you do six rounds strong hand, and then you, while you're reloading, you take a knee, and then from a supported position, you do six more rounds at 15 yards. And not that hard of a test. Pretty much everybody passes it, which is the point. Like, North Dakota is doing that so they could, more people can carry in more states. And not to make people fail. Um, but the dude next to me had a Beretta 92. And he had one of those, like, Bianchi flap Widowmaker holsters that you have to pull down the flap and then, like, retract it and grab the gun. Oh, yeah. And he had a web belt and all that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's old school, like, army. Cool. Like, I can respect that. I watch this dude. He loads his gun, drops the slide with his finger in the trigger guard. Like, he's got his index finger pressed against the front of the trigger guard, grabs the flat of the holster, and just slams it home into the holster. And the whole time I'm like, oh my god. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the RO, and I look back at me, and I look back at the RO, and the RO's like, what? I was like, did you see that? And he's like, I did. I was like, are you not concerned? And he's like, I am, but there's a tourniquet in the first aid kit. We should be okay. And I'm like, fuck, dude, correct him. Like, at least tell him to decock the gun first. Of course, I, I I would shoot my Nighthawk out of appendix. It's, it's my concealed carry clone, right? I should shoot from the position I carry in. And uh, the, R, the RO looks at me. He's like, are you really going to draw from appendix? And I was like, am I not allowed to? He's like, no, you can. He's like, I just don't think you're going to be fast enough to do the, the qual time. And I look at him stupid, and I'm like, really? Because from the the seven yard position, you have forty five seconds to fire twelve rounds with the reload, and from the fifteen yard position, you have one minute to fire twelve rounds with a reload. Well, that sounds real hard. And I'm like, I have a draw time of like one point three seconds consistently. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> we have a bunch of guys shooting carry optics that um, drop an appendix. And they're all top-notch shooters. You know, um, you ever get into UFC fighting or anything like that? Vaguely. There's a guy named Jeremy Horn. He was bigger back yep. in the day. I'm no, I know the name. Yeah, he shoots our clubs, and he, he draws from appendix, shoots carry optics all the time, and he's, he's an A-class. Pretty damn good. I, uh, 
I tried to get our local club to let us draw from appendix, and they will not do it. They, and I quote, see it as too much of a liability. Really? Yep. Even, like, actual, like, sanctioned USPSA matches that are ranked and, like, officially scored, they will not let us draw from appendix. They do not consider it safe. But, hey, drawing from under a fishing vest is okay. Yeah, that's fine. From the side where you can draw and break the 180. Right. God forbid you draw from the appendix, but hey, draw from the, uh, you know, the fucking small of the back, flag everybody, and uh, it's okay because it was under a fishing vest. I had a guy uh, show up the other day, first match. And he's carrying a 1911 small back in a leather holster, and it wasn't covering the trigger guard. It's exposed trigger, everything inside the belt, so you could still see the trigger hanging out. I'm like, uh, dude, <laughs> we had to start and point at a flag on the ground, just like still challenge. Like, this is this is how this is gonna go, kid. The next time you show up, you're gonna have something like this, you know. So, I went to the indoor range about two weeks ago. Um, oh, it's been longer than that. It was 3-2. Um, March 2nd, I went to the indoor range. And the only reason I know that because it was 3-2 and I was shooting nothing but 32s. And so I'm there, I'm shooting my PP, I'm shooting my Beretta and all my other 32s, having a good time. And the guys in the range next to me are shooting. I'm like, okay, they're having a good time. And I look over as they get ready to leave. And this dude takes a P320, not this manual safety model, like just the regular P320, like Glock 19 size gun. He's done shooting. He loads a magazine, racks the slide, shoves it in the back of his waistband, like in his ass crack, with no fucking holster, just in his pants. Throws his fucking shirt and his hoodie over it and walks out of the range. And the whole time I'm sitting there like, what the fuck did I just see happen? Like, knowing the P320's reputation, what in the fuck just happened? Yeah. He just, yeah, that thing could just go off and give an extra hole. Like, he could sit down and he has a new asshole. I didn't realize how many, uh, I thought P320's were just, you know, had the drop problem and that. And then no, I saw. It's, it's more than that. <laughs> yeah, I saw the lawsuits coming out where cops are just sitting in their cars and all of a sudden, blam. We had uh, we had a North Dakota State Trooper that had that happen. He was gunning in a safari land, and he sat down this cruiser, and his fucking three twenty went off, 
and put a hole in the fucking transmission. Like, and they did a whole investigation on it because they were like, oh, you know, you must have had something in the holster. And they were like, oh, fuck, nope, the gun just went off on its own. Thanks, Sig. Thanks, Sig. Great gun. I'm so glad the military's carrying a 320. I don't know. I like the Beretta. I like the Beretta. I like the CZs. I carry a um, I carry a Shadow Systems MR918. Yep. Just iron sights. Simple. Um, I... I swap. You'll make fun of me. Everybody makes fun of me. It's fun. Me more they. I either carry my Nighthawk 1911, or I carry a five shot J frame with 38 plus P's. So that's you're having an identity crisis, huh? Yeah. I don't think it's an identity crisis because I just kind of identify as a boomer. Apparently, carry a forty-five or a five-shot snub nose, or snub nose. Uh, yeah, today, literally today, uh, we had a dude, a crackhead, fall asleep in our parking lot, like in his car. And one of my coworkers like goes out to like knock on his window and go, "Hey, dude, what the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and I like, he goes to walk out, and I'm like, "Hey, Charlie, I got you covered." And I pull my little J frame out of my my Filster appendix holster, and I'm sitting there at the window. And my buddy next to me is like, "Are you really gonna shoot through the window?" And I said, "If I fucking have to." He's like, it's a J-frame, and I was like, yeah, it's loaded with fucking full metal jackets. And he's like, it's not loaded with hollow points? I said, fuck no, it's a thirty-eight. They don't expand anyways. I'm shooting full metal jacket. (laughs) And then, like, the dude just sat there, and he was acting all weird. And cool thing about being a gun store and importer and all that. We have machine guns for post sample like purposes. Yeah. My boss my boss was like, get whatever makes you feel your feel safe and use that to defend the store. So I got into our safe. I grabbed my U I grabbed the UMP and forty caliber and <laughs> I loaded it and I'm sitting there and I'm like Local police are going to fucking hate this if I have to use this. I knew somebody that, uh, somebody that worked at Sportsman's Warehouse, and they don't they don't allow their employees to uh, carry. Seriously? Yeah. And I'm like, well, what if somebody holds up the gun counter, man? It's like, well, we got a wall of guns behind us, and what you can't see under the register here are loaded mags since it's just that easy if it came down yeah. to it 
you know, either defend yourself or die. Fuck the policy. I mean, we've got... Granted, it's not a chain store, obviously. Um, We've got loaded guns stashed around. But, like, in circumstances like today... You know, where I've got time and I can go, oh, hey, that dude's a crackhead and he's in our fucking parking lot. And I can walk over to the safe and be like, oh, here's my insert post sample machine gun here. And grab it like the last time it happened, I grabbed the HK 416. And I'm like, I'm going to have a stateside kill with a fucking 416. It's going to be great. Um, I've grabbed the G36 before. We have a G36 Echo. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a stateside kill with a G36. And then I'm going to have to explain to my local PD why, you know, Crackhead Joe has five shots in his chest from a G36. You'll have a smile on your face the whole time. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie. I love shooting that G36. So putting five rounds into somebody because they tried to hold the store up would probably be a good time. That gun is super controllable if you've never shot a G36 on Mm -hmm. full auto. I've never even handled one. They don't weigh anything. They're light as fuck. Um, They're about 800 rounds a minute. And ours is the 20-inch barrel, so like the actual German Army version, but without the dual optic, just the iron sight rail. And, uh, yeah, it's... uh, it's one of the most controllable 5.56 rifles I've ever fucking shot in my life. That and the magazines have these cool wings on them that you can clip them together. So, you know, you clip like six magazines together. It's a, it's a cool gun for the memes. Well, the the shop's got some cool transferables. So we or not transferables, some cool post samples. Uh, we've got a we got the G36. We've got an HK416. Uh, we've got two UMPs, two MP5s, uh, an MP5, and then MP5SD. Um, and we have a vector. The vector is retarded all I have to say about the Vector. What model? Uh, the original Super and 45 Auto. So, it's the the original model um, 45 Auto at like 1200 rounds a minute. Hmm. And it is retarded, but ours is utterly reliable, too. Like, no matter what magazine, no matter what kind of ammo we've shoved in it, it has ate everything that has went into it and kept chugging. I actually ran a firing line, because we have them as law enforcement samples. Um, I ran a firing line about 
two months ago uh, with the local sheriff's department, and they brought out 1,200 rounds of 45 auto, and we dumped 1,200 rounds through that gun in about two hours without a single malfunction. Nice. Uh, magazines were all factory Glock 21 mags with the cursed extensions, and it it did it ate every every ammo that went into it, and uh, it's retarded. I, I don't know how else to say that. Uh, on full auto, a full magazine is less than a second. Uh, that gun is best on two-round burst, and even then, if you have a quick trigger pull, like a tr- quick trigger finger, you can make two-round burst sound like full auto. Because every time the trigger resets, you can pull it again and send two more rounds. It's just dumb. Is it controllable if you mag-dump it? Um, yes, actually. So... Like compared to a UMC forty, to a to a what? To a to a HK UMP forty. Yes, um, less controllable, but not in the way you think. Um, that that like Super Vive system with the the dipping bolt carrier actually pushes the muzzle down. It's like an AK with a slant brake where it'll actually push the muzzle down in recoil, not up. It doesn't rise, it dips. And it's it's kind of weird to get used to. Once you're used to it, yeah, it's it's more controllable than the UMP-40. Um, our UMP-40 is not hard to shoot. It kind of chugs like an MP-40. If you ever, you know, shot an MP-40... For those that are listening, uh, because the the two UMPs that we have, we have a UMP forty and the UMP nine. Um, the nine sucks. I hate it. Uh, the forty I actually don't hate. Um, it's kind of a happy medium, thirty round mags and kind of controllable. Um, I shot one a while back, and it was kind of a. It's very much a kachunk chunk a chunk gun, but after like a couple of rounds and you get used to it, it, I found the UMP40 very easy to hold on target. Out to like, I could mag dump out to like 15 yards and keep everything in a you know a man sized silhouette. Mm. And today, when my boss was like, "Hey, grab a gun out of the safe to." You know, just in case this crackhead tries to do anything stupid, that's the gun I grabbed. I grabbed the UMP-40 and loaded it with fucking 30 rounds of hollow points. And my buddy was like, that guy's going to have a bad day. I said, yeah, because I'm going to fucking close the bolt and it's set on auto. So he's going to have like 10 rounds in his chest. Like, I've shot it enough that I know I can control it that well. Um. But yeah, no, the, the Chris is, the Vector is, is probably more controllable or just about as controllable. Um, 
but in 45 auto. But the the fire rate is significantly fast. It's probably two and a half times faster. Like you grab a you know a Chris extended magazine and you know dump it on full auto. We put it on a pack timer, and ours varies from like twelve to thirteen hundred rounds per minute. So it's fast as fuck, boy. That's an expensive gun to shoot. Yeah, when the local sheriff's department is paying for the ammo. Yeah. You know, or the local PD. I mean, it's a demo gun. We don't bring it out very often. You know, as a as an employee of the company, I can check it out whenever I want to, as long as I have the paperwork, so I can take it to the range whenever I want. Um, I can't afford to feed it. Like, that's for sure. Um, the only gun I've ever thought about checking out is our MP5 SD. We have an SD3, and, you know, occasionally I go, oh, I should take that to the range. Nobody ever shoots this thing. I want to shoot one of those. It's dummy quiet. When I uh, when I ran the the range the last time, I got to the point where ever we ran out of you know forty five, ran out of forty, ran out of five five six, and we ran uh, one hundred twenty four grain NATO nine mil left and uh, twelve gauge because I brought out my Benelli's. Because I have two law enforcement Benelli's in my, you know, personal collection, and I'll bring them out and demo them for the the LE guys. And you know, they're shooting my shotguns, and they got tired of them. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, how about this? And they're like, oh, you know, it can't be that quiet. I was like, everybody take their ears off, and you know, we shot 124 grade NATO uh, through the SD, and of course with the the ported barrel, it's all subsonic. And they're like, there's no way it's that quiet. And I was like, yeah, it's that quiet. The only thing you really hear going back and forth is the action. Like, yeah. that's that's the only sound. And, and we dump mag after mag through it. Uh, we actually seized the can. and take a strap wrench to the can once we got back to the, the range to, uh, to get it off. It's a it's an old SD. It still does good though. It's got the original HKK on it. it doesn't have the BNT one. Oh, that is an old one. Yeah, it is the old one. Um, and we have a bunch of the original uh, straight magazines. Uh, Not the curved mm-hmm. ones, but the actual straight like SD mags. Yeah. It's a it's a cool gun. It, it runs well. We've run it with uh, we have an A3 stock and an A2 stock for it, and it doesn't matter what stock we have on it. It just runs. Never had a malfunction with it. The uh, further proving that the MP5 is still probably the best submachine gun ever made. 
I've got the BNT APC9 SD. How do you like that? I love it. Worth awesome. it? Yes. You know, I've, I've shot uh, regular APC9s. You shoot that next to this, and you're, you're just kind of like, huh? What's the difference? You know, it does. And I, something about just suppressing all that back pressure off the muzzle or something, but this thing just shoots so soft. So I have a BMC I have. I have a TP9. Uh-huh. I bought the, the hipster gun. Yeah. But I did buy the suppressor for it. And I will, I will say it's it's pretty fucking quiet with that TP9 can on it. Now, is that really gassy with a can yes. on it? Yes, it is. Not so much outside. So, like, summertime shooting outside with mm. a little bit of a breeze, it's not It's not bad. It's better than my Mark 18. Indoors, no breeze, no air moving. It's worse than my Mark 18. That's what I've heard. i got a friend with a TP9 with a can. He's like, I won't shoot inside. Um, granted, I do have the older can. I don't have the flow-through version. I have the standard baffle version. Yeah. So I don't know how the new can is on the gun. It is quiet. Like, it's stupid quiet. Um, it's probably legitimately closely... You know, close to our SD at work. Quiet. But it's a huge can compared to the size of the gun, too. Um, cool gun, though. I like it. It was a money pit. I, uh... It's one of... I hate, I, I'm ashamed to say it. I'll probably get memed when this airs because I said it. I bought it because I watched the old military arms shells where he was shooting a, a TP9 a lot. Oh, yeah. And uh, because of Counter-Strike. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting memed. I'm getting memed. But between those two things, that's, that's why I have a TP9, and uh, I don't regret it. It's better than uh, if you want a bad gun. It's better than something like a Flexerator. It's, <laughs> it's dedicated. Like, it's yeah. designed to be what it is. It's the same size. And I I dunk on my buddy at work all the time because he has a Flexerator, and he's like, oh, yeah, my P320 Flexerator is so good. It's the best gun ever. And then I'll bring my TP9, and then I was like, oh, yeah, what's this? And he's like, that's dumb. And I was like, is it, though? I was like, you have a Flux. I have a TP9. It's like, which one would you rather have? He's like, my Flux. And I was like, are you are you saying that because you spent the money or because you legitimately rather have it? And he's like, no, I'd rather have that. But, you know, SBR laws. And I said, yeah, if SBR laws weren't a thing, though, I mean, the TP is just a better gun. Yeah. It's a it's a money pit. You're you're paying for it. 
BT makes some really unique shit. I'll give them that. But sometimes their end products just come out just garbage. The USW? Yeah, USW. Well, is that the pistol that goes in their chassis or is the USW the chassis? Uh, so it's both. So they have a, like a whole system that's called the USW that you buy as a short barreled rifle. Or you can get like a P320 USW chassis. What's the, the pistol that B&T made a couple of years ago? The Mark II. And it is? Yeah. I hate it. Kind of a CZ-75 looking pistol. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's horrible. So... <laughs> You're never going to believe this. <laughs> the company that made that pistol, we are actually the sole importer for the rest of their pistol lineup in the United States. Oh, yeah? Yep. And guess who the the rep for that company in the States is? That would be me. Oh, really? I am the Phoenix Firearms rep in the United States for their pistols. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, the Mark II, the B&T Mark II is okay. The rest of the Phoenix Firearms lineup Costs what it does for a reason. <laughs> yep. Um, the rest of their lineup, pistol-wise, is like CZ Customs level kind of pistols, and they're great. They're the, all the slides feel like they're on ball bearings. The the triggers are fantastic. Um, that that B and T pistol was done for a price point and they cut corners to get that price point. Uh, the the rest of the Phoenix lineup that's not being teamworked is that you see our import marketing that is a different pistol altogether. And it's fantastic. <laughs> um I have a lot of USPSA guys Every time I get a shipment in, that that hit me up, and they're like, "Hey, I want one of your guns." <laughs> really? Yeah, it's a it's a good pistol. It really is. Uh, they've got basically two models: one that's compatible with the CZ or uh, CZ seventy five uh, magazine. The other model is compatible with uh, a Tang Folio small frame magazine. And uh, the tank foe model is actually more popular than the CZ model, believe it or not. Um, I can't get enough drakes in the country to, to satisfy demand. There's a lot of dudes that want to buy drakes. So that's a, I mean, it's a $4,600 gun. And dudes buy them like candy. Yeah. Well, the CZ-75 variants are like... I don't know. People love them. Have you have you shot those uh, 
SAR pistol? I actually have. I've, I've shot one of the SAR pistols, and I was impressed. For what it is, for what it costs, like, it's not a bad gun. Yeah, we had a SAR rep come out to a match, and we had a bonus stage where they, they set up, like, 10 pieces of steel, and they gave you a 17-round mag and loaded start, and just kind of slammed in and iron sights, and and then overall winner, and then won, like, a target or something. Anyway, he, um, yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of my uh, tax sports. The trigger, the feel, the slightly. Yeah. I mean, it's, we had we had some stars or sorry, stars uh, in the store when we closed our doors to the public to go online only, and I mean they weren't selling locally, but as soon as we put them online, they were gone. Um, and one of my buddies locally has one. And I got the screw it. And it, it is. It's a good gun. I like it. For the price, it's kind of hard to beat. It all comes it, down to does it function? Basically, there. Does it function and do you want a brand name? Yeah. Who I made that yeah. mistake years ago. I bought one of those uh, B&T. Um, BT-15s. You know those handle? The handle gun? Yeah. What Did it yep. suck? Oh, it's a piece of shit. Is it really? I wanted one just so bad. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm a B&T fanboy. I wanted one. I'll give you a deal, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I've heard a couple of dudes that said, like, hey, this gun fucking sucks. It's, it's not worth $3,000. It, it's worth about I'll give them a thousand. They the trigger is just freaking horrible. Worst trigger. It's it's worse than a mil spec trigger. It's like it feels it's a single stage, but it feels like a two stage with extra grid in it. Yeah. And it's got these weird ass pins with C clips on them that I don't even dare to even I was gonna put a new trigger in it and I thought, oh, I'm not even gonna mess with this. Is it, it. So, so is it not even compatible with a regular AR trigger then? Or I think it is. It looks like the same pattern. I just didn't want to mess with the pins. It's like they've got uh, little C-clips on the ends of the pins on some... I don't know, they're kind of recessed into the lower receiver, kind of. And then it's... The muzzle's threaded weird too. It's fifty yeah. by one, right? It's not even half by twenty eight. No, it's some some weird thread pitch. I almost yeah. Had, I was gonna sell it to some guy on Utah Gun Exchange, and um, he came back. He's like, um, I just looked at the thread pitch. He goes, I don't have anything for that, and I can't find anything for it. None of my cans fit it, so I'm gonna pass. I'm like, crap. I'm going to get like 2500 bucks for that stupid thing. And then there was that scam a month ago when, um, what's his face? Uh, military arms said that they were, uh, confiscating all the, all the guns through that lawsuit. And, yeah, and they were, they're not. Yeah. Turned out to be a hoax. Like yeah, people. it was a big hope. Uh, it, it, let's be honest, it's Mac. So, like, 
look at him in the HD18s and then his OnlyFans fucking admiration and like I said, that's why I'm like ashamed that one of the reasons I have a BNT TP9 is because of Mac videos, but The last of it, good videos he did, I think. Yeah. I kind of lost. Well, I quit watching his shit after he did that import thing. and Yeah, you know, the, the Dragnoffs. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I don't care. Well, that said, B&T's not far behind him at this point, because they're now importing those Dragnoffs for $7,500 a rifle dealer cost. Really? Yep. Well, the thing with Mac was that they're supposed to go to a Certain bunch people. of people. Yeah, yes. they were pre-sold. And then yeah, and then he went and bought out, bought them out underneath everybody, sold them in the market. Well, him and his group that he was with in that room. Yeah, Copper group. Custom. But like, you know, I- that's just. That's a dick I've been there. Thing. Like, it's not a bad shop, and I'll admit, I bought some stuff from Copper before that, and they were easy to deal with. Uh, I bought a, I bought an International Harvester M1 Grand. I bought a shotgun from them. They were super easy to deal with. They made the process super easy, and they accepted carry-on relic or licenses, which is a big plus when they when that happens because it's a great day. Um, there's a lot of dudes that still don't accept CNRs, but, um, like, after that whole fiasco with the Dragnovs, it was like, what the fuck happened, dude? Like, that was dirty. But now you got like BNT, like I said, BNT's doing the same thing. They're bringing them at seventy five hundred dollars dealer cost. Like for what? Maybe? A fucking Dragnov is not worth that much. Not a new one. Not one that's going to be brought in regularly. You talking like PSL or Chinese or hungarian it's a hungarian dragonov so it is a like a true dragonov rifle but it's hungarian made and it shoots three moa like i can get a fucking serbian m90 was m95 m96 uh their version of the psl basically that shoots three moa i can get it for three grand why the yeah. fuck would I pay $7,500 for a 3MOA rifle? Yeah, like just five in, Just in general, like, I can get, like, U.S.-made guns and substantial calibers for three to five grand that shoot sub-MOA. Why would the fuck would I want a Dragnog that shoots that larger groups? Or that much money. Well, at that price point, you're just buying it to flex. You can't flex with it, though. You can't even flex with it. The couple of people that I've seen buy one so far at that price point that try to flex it get dunked on because of the Mac thing and because the guns aren't that accurate. 
I'd better look flex him with my fucking Benelli. I have a fucking M1014 that I flex with occasionally. And dudes take to that better than they take to a fucking Hungarian Dragunov. They're they're flexing because they paid that much. They have that kind of, they're just, you know, those type of people that buy the most expensive things, say they have the most expensive thing, even though it's a piece of shit. Yeah. That's my Air 180. Oh, I saw one for sale the other day for like 1700 bucks. So, I paid $1,300 for mine. Yeah. But it's an early Sterling model, so it's made in, in England and all that. Before they switched the design. So Sterling found a production flaw in the design, and they changed it. Uh, The late Sterling guns, the trigger and the hammer pin are actually held in with a a C-clip on the exterior of the receiver. The early guns, and then all the Howers and all the actual armor lights, have what's called a Jesus clip. And the reason it's called a fucking Jesus clip is because it fails, and every time it fails, you say, Jesus fucking Christ, my gun broke itself. (laughs) Well, so I bought mine, and I put 40 rounds for it, and my Jesus clip decided, yeet, I don't want to be part of this gun anymore. Um, and it took me 18 months to find parts for it. To fix it. The gun's functional. Thank you, Badger Ordnance, for making new Jesus clips. Don't know why you decided to do that, but you did, and I appreciate it. And I bought, like, 20 of them. So I can actually regularly shoot my AR-18 now. Um, great gun. Other than that. I love the design. Uh, Super simple. All stamped sheet metal. Magazines are retardedly expensive. Um, Other than that, shoots well. Very accurate. Good gun. Has some design flaws. I see why it didn't succeed. Um, Buy a BRN-180 if you want to shoot one. Don't buy an original one. That's all I have to say. (laughs) <laughs> what gen are they on now? Uh, two. I guess technically three if you count the new suppressor at the upper, where you can <laughs> shut the gas all the way off, and it like turns it into a bolt action. But I don't know why you'd want to do that. They're still doing better than Sig who beta tests and then discontinues entire lines on people. Yeah. So, no, it it is what it is. There's some, uh, there's some weird practices out there. In the industry, you get like SIG beta testing 
on you know customer bases. You got some people cut corners here and there. Uh, you got HK being HK. You know the running joke is because I hate you and you're poor. The reality of the situation is HK doesn't hate you, and I, I, I hinted at this earlier. Like they would sell us MP7, you know, single fires. We got offered them at one point. Uh, HK Germany was like, "Hey, we'll sell you these." Uh, the problem is, is they're considered machine guns in the United States. Because the out of battery safety in the MP7 is the auto sear. So you cannot remove the fucking auto sear. And like you can take all the auto, like the full auto parts out of it. The ATF still considers it a machine gun because of that out of battery safety. Like it's a machine gun. And then like SP5Ks, the, the, the MP5K civilian version, the US, the US version of that gun actually had to be modified. Uh, the front pen used to be, uh, just an empty space and you could get this parts kit from HK parts to put in it to like give it the paddle release and actually be correct. Um, ATF slapped HK in the nuts. And said, no, you can't do that because all people have to do is drill a hole in each side and then they can put a machine gun lower on the SP5K and make it full auto. So they had to like put a, like, oh, a block in it and shit, like a fake pin and weld it in just to comply with our import laws. So I get it. The, the fun thing is to say HK hates us. At the same time, it's German export law and U.S. import law that fucks the HK product line. Yeah. I've had that same conversation with other friends here that work in gun Dude, shops. We, we get offered so much stuff by, like, our dealers in Germany. Like, we'll get offered, like, so in Europe, they can sell the 416A5 as a civilian model, right? Mm-hmm. And we get offered them all the time. Like, our dealers will be like, you want these? They're popular here. Do you want one? And we're like, yeah, we want them. But we can't import them because of the assault weapons ban of 1986. Like, that's an assault weapon. I can't import it. Sorry. But I can import P7s, I can import P9s, I can import USPs, I can import SP5s, SP5K PDWs, SP5Ks. I can import all these, but I can't import an MR223A3. Like, where's the logic? Why can I import an SP5 but not an MR223? I know. Why does an MR762 cost seven grand? Tell me that. Well, they they don't anymore. Well, there's, there's one in my local gun shop still for seven. You like, know, your lo- your local gun shop is retarded. <laughs> what are um, they going for? About five. 
for mm-hmm. seven six two. Uh, well, no. So MR seven six twos, which are the U.S. versions, it's backwards. So the metric caliber designation on the HK guns, the rifles like that, are the U.S. versions, where the Imperial designations are the European versions. So MR556, MR762 are your US versions. MR223, MR308 are your European versions. MR556s are like $25, $3,000. MR. 762s dealer costs are like $2,700 and are regularly selling between like $2,800 and $3,200. So your gun shop wanting five grand for it, unless it's the quote. G28 version that comes with the scope and the adjustable cheek piece and all that. They're out of their fucking mind. I'll tell him he said that. (laughs) Go for it. You can tell him another fucking dealer said you're out of your fucking mind. Like, nobody's gonna pay that for that. We had an MR762 in the shop not too long ago. Just the base model with the M-Lock rail and all that. We sold it on Gunbroker. We only made $200 over cost. Which was like 30, $37 or $3,800 at the time. Like, that's all we made. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Uh, my boss won't even take them in anymore. Like when HKUSA offers them to us, we won't take them because we don't make enough money off them. It's not worth our time. Yeah. And it's so proprietary too. The mags are proprietary. You know, like all the parts are proprietary because of the way the receiver is built. You need a special scope mount to get everything lined up right. It's a, it's kind of an odd gun. It's kind of like a 416. You know, 416s are great guns, but they're like super proprietary. You have to like get special scope mounts and all that shit for them. Yeah, it's like, like a CZ. I hate their scope mounts. Yeah, or Ruger. Ruger's got the special rifle scope mount. You can't find them in the store, and you can't find them online. So you just sell the gun and buy something else. Or, like, you know, coming back around the HK, the muzzle threads on the Mark 23. They're not standard 45 auto threads, so their own fucking special thread. That makes HK sense. That does make it. It makes sense to the government contract. So, 
standard 45 auto thread. Uh, it's like 16 millimeter left hand. Uh, the, the, the threads on the Mark 23 are instead of 16 left or 16 right. I think the logic, legitimately, the only thing I can think of for the logic in that is because in the U.S., as, like, kids and shit, we're taught righty-loosey, or righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, not, you know, lefty-tighty, righty-loosey. So I'm thinking that the government, when they contracted for the Mark 23, was like, hey, this needs to tighten with right hand twist and loosen with left. And HK went, well, that's dumb, but okay. <laughs> Everything about the Mark 23 is ridiculous to start with. The size, the way that the controls work. You know, the safety only works with the hammer cocked, the decocker super tiny and, you know, hard to operate. It's, uh, it's an interesting gun. By the way, if you want to buy one, hit up in one ping. <laughs> I will sell you one. I just busted out the handle to remind myself why this thing sucks so bad. Stop stop teasing me. What do you got on it? How you got it set up? Let's let's talk about it. How's it set up? It's not set up at all. It's just I had it set up and then I was so disappointed I just pulled everything off of it and it's been sitting in the safe for a couple of years. Okay. How did you have it set up? Um I had pistol brace on it. Uh MRO. Uh, it's standard flash hider that came with it. Nothing special. Just basic short barrel AR, basically. Yeah. And the gun's cool for what it is. I mean, you look at it, the, the lower's machined really cool. It's got uh, ambi slide stop release and all that. But on the right side of the, the uh, low receiver, the ambi part, like, you know where you usually see, like, a, a paddle that, you know, yeah. mirrors the standard side? This like one an had, LMP? Yeah. Or, like, a... Um, yeah, just basically your standard ambi, you know, left-right stuff. The handle yeah. is this weird-ass lever that comes straight back, and it's got this little this little shelf that your your fingernail slides under. It's like you're, you're sliding your finger forward underneath this thing and jamming your fingernail under the lever to lock the bolt back. And it's mm. it's painful and it's cringy to use and it's it's like a stupid design. It's just retarded. That's I was gonna say that seems really odd. It's, yeah, it's if you look at um on you know who RDR gear is? Yep. He he did a review on this uh this same gun when I got it. Just handed it over to him, said, "Do your worst," and he shot it, and he hated it. But yeah, you can see all this stuff on on his uh, video review. It's just a, it's got a standard charging handle, like 
there's nothing. It's not a three thousand dollar gun. I I bought it because I thought that was only going to be a, a so many were going to be imported, and I thought, well, you know, this thing's just going to appreciate in value. You know, why not just grab it if I got the money? So I did because uh, the gun shop got two of them. Man, I was like, all right, I'll take it. And then you know, it turns out it's just a really nothing burger. It's it is what it is kind of thing. Yeah. Got a really cool slidey, the handguard thing off type of design. It's like, mm. Yeah, Whatever. it's better. I, I'll give it that. It's better than the HK. Is it? Well, yeah, because if I'm thinking about it right, the handles, you don't need a tool to take it off, right? Like, to take the handguard off, it's toolless, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's so right. The 416, you need a tool to take the handguard off. Granted, that tool is a Phillips head screwdriver, so it's not that hard to find. But you do need a Phillips head screwdriver to take the handguard off of 416. That said, I'll hit you up offline. I wanna I wanna talk about the handle a little more. Alright. No, I'm still curious because I've it's a gun I've been interested in for stupidity purposes. Uh, yeah, it's be a great stupid collector item. Oh, granted, that's that's where I'm at. I just bought an uh, should you not? I bought an Olympics arm, uh, Olympic arms plinker plus. Um. Cheat code. Now that I've done it, I can talk about it. Cheat code to finding a a, a C7 upper. Go find an old Olympic Arms DPMS or Bushmaster rifle. They go for cheap as fuck, and they come with C7 uppers. Like, real talk, I bought my Olympic gun that's in the mail right now for $600. Really. Meanwhile, dudes are paying two fifty to three hundred dollars for just strip C seven uppers. About a whole fucking rifle. Is it one of their rifles or pistols? It's a it's a rifle. It's a sixteen inch rifle. So to do my Gordy with it, and I like I was saying when the podcast started, I kind of cheated on Otter Creek because I found a really good do- deal on AEM. Um. But, like, I'm just going to have the barrel cut back because it's a good barrel from what I understand. So I'll just have it cut back from 16 to 12 and a half, register it, and put my fucking can on it, and boom, Gordon Kirby. Yeah, easy enough. Right? Yeah. And that beats, I mean, in my opinion, anyways, that beats paying, you know, $300 for a strip C7 upper from somebody. You know, dudes buy Luthe AR uppers as they drop, and then they turn around and buy them, or sell them on TaxWap, sell them on Earthcom, sell them on GunBroker for, you know, 250 300 bucks. You know, why would I pay... That when I can find 
you know, an Anchor Harvey Forge C7 upper, you know, rifle, complete gun with all the components I need. You know, the buttstock needs changed, the barrel needs cut down, and that's it. And the gun cost me 600 bucks. Can you find those buttstock still? Uh, so cool. Cool, cool thing. Cool thing about the buttstocks. Um, PSA bought out the H&R name, right? Yeah. And now PSA is making retro ARs. Uh, PSR, PSA makes the retro car stock. Uh, man, they sell it for like $20. There you go. So you, you can get a repro of the retro car stock from PSA for like 20 bucks. Uh, actually where I bought mine, it, it's on the way with my rifle currently. Uh, a couple of other parts I had to buy, you know, obviously I, uh, I already had the collar for my suppressor. So I did, I did buy the can before I had the gun. I'm waiting on it to transfer. Uh, I bought an Otter Creek, uh, M4 collar adapter for the 12.5 barrel. Uh, I bought, I'm using Otter Creek, uh, flash hider. To, to actually do the thread mount for my AEM5. Uh, the gun's going to be Olympic, you know, cut down to, to 12 and a half. Uh, change the buttstock, and that's it. Honestly, I have the rest of the parts minus the aim point to, to build an actual Gordon carbine. I'm just missing the aim point 5000 to, to build that gun. I have the original mount, I have the original light, I have the original light mount, I have the pressure switch, uh, the the Olympic gun, the only part on it that's not correct are the barrel and the buttstock. And that's it. Like that's all I gotta swap at this point. And then I gotta buy the the Krylon, the spray paint at the right, you know, khaki and brown. And probably get a sticker that says fucking Irene. Have you, you I, do you follow uh Type A rifles? Yeah. On Instagram? Yeah. That's originally what I was gonna do was buy one of their resto mods uh Gordons until I fell on Do what? Did you see the one they posted today? I the did. The I did see paper. that. Oh yep. It says fucking Irene on the buttstock and pretty classy. It's it's a classy gun. That's what I'm going for. I want to be classy, but I want to stay true to it. You know, I feel like that gun, just because of what the original gun went through, I feel like if you're going to build a similar gun, you have to do it justice. Yep. It's one of those guns that I feel like, hey, if you're going to do it, like, the movie gun is cool, but if you really want to do it justice, you have to spend a little bit of extra money to do it right. Well, I just looked up their Gordon Carbine on their site, 2800 bucks. Yep. It ain't cheap. Nope. 
And that's before suppressor, you know. Yeah. And that's that's why I said like, you know, I'm kind of kind of getting lucky here cuz you know, I bought this Olympic gun, which is a good base gun for 600. And then I got the suppressor uh for you know, 7. I've got all the par- other parts lying around from random gun shows here and there for less than a hundred dollars minus the the actual optic. So the deals are out there. You just got to look for them. Is Otter Creek making the collars yet? Or is everybody uh, just so he does a run a year. No, he he does one run of collars a year. Uh, I grabbed last year's run because I was I've been planning this for a while. Uh, so I went ahead and grabbed last year's run of collars just to have it. Uh, and my original intention was 100% to buy an OCM. Like I was going to buy their can. Uh, and just happened to find an Allen engineering can yeah. um, for cheaper locally. Yeah, not much, have- not, not much cheaper. Like, so the, the otter can, if I ordered it. Uh, total with the tax stamp would just be over a thousand dollars. I think it's, I think it came out to like 1058 with the transfer fee. Uh, the, one of the guys at my local shop is a cloner and he, uh, had an extra AEM5 that he ended up not having a gun to build into. So he sold it to the the shop he works at, and so he sold it for seven hundred. So with the tax stamp on nine hundred dollars for that can, and you know, so I mean that's that's a deal. Of course, I have to stamp the gun. That's a uh, you know eight hundred in the gun with the stamp. Thousand getting the care care the the barrel cut back and then I had all the other parts minus the eight point five thousand, which I'm still searching for. So, you know, I'm right in that two grand ballpark before the aim point. And Type A is building the whole gun for twenty eight hundred. So I feel like I'm coming ahead. Yeah, slow. Slowly. So Allen Engineering isn't building cans anymore, right? No, they still build cans. He still uh, he still builds cans. Do they still build uh, the Mark can? Yep, they still build that one. They still build the M4 can, too. So if you really, really wanted to do the correct gun with the correct can, uh, they still build the M4 can with the 14.5 barrel. Um, but he does like one run a year of those and he only does like 10 a year. Ugh. And then like the, the AEM fives, the, the Mark 12 can, he only does like 25 of those. Uh, his, his thing is he's semi retired. So, like, he still builds the cans, but he just doesn't build them in the volume that he used to. Yeah. So, 
that's why I said when I like saw this AEM five locally for the price I saw it, it was it was hard to pass up on. And it's no offense to Otter. I love Otter. I love the Loudenser. I love the the collar. I love the muzzle device I I have for the AEM five. You know, he does fantastic work. The Polonium is a fantastic can. It was more about opportunity than anything else. Like the, the AEM, the Allen can was available. It was a slightly cheaper. It's kind of hard to say no to that, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. If you, you can find an original that actually completely got better than, yeah. You know, you know, and the the, the otter can is a better can. It's lighter, like it's a lighter can. It's a quieter can. Um, but you know, there is something about finding the slightly louder, slightly heavier, kind of closer can. It's not the correct can. The correct can would be the Allen M4. Which is, like I said, he only does like 10 of those a year. They're hard to find. Um, if you did find one of them, that is the correct can. Uh, but I, yeah, again, nothing against Otter. I feel like that Otter can is slightly co- closer to the original and slightly does the gun better justice. We've got uh, AES suppressors here now making the same can, too. Really? Yeah, they're just like 20 minutes away from me. Huh. It's a trajectory arms. Yeah, I didn't know they had started making that can as well. Yeah, it's called uh, AES. I'll have to look into that. I know, the, I know trajectory does a lot of good work. Um, granted, I know... I know of them mainly through 1911 Syndicate. Yeah, um, Jeff from RDR Gear, he uses them a lot. He's good friends with Alex there. He seems like a solid dude. Yeah. I know yeah, there yeah. was some uh, some beef not too long ago between Trajectory and uh, uh, not Sons, uh, Chad Ogbrick of, of uh, School of the American Rifle. Yeah. I know there was some beef there a while back. Oh. <laughs> I missed that one. Um, it was kind of odd. <laughs> Something about like gauge specifications and that kind of stuff. Oh. I can see him getting or, into that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's Chad for you. He uh, he holds his you know gauge specifications as their you know trade secret. Well, I have a, a friend that uh, took a class from him a few years back, and he said the amount of um, gauges that he has, like he just doesn't have like oh these are the latest and greatest. He goes back to all the original equipment. The early years and whatnot, and he's collecting those. So, you know, work his magic to so, you know, where everything started from. 
showed some of that on his YouTube. Like, if you watch his YouTube channel and stuff, he'll show some of his collection. But it's funny because he'll, like, he'll hide his gauge specifications, like what his go and no-go gauges are for, like, all the parts of the AR. But once you do a little, like, understanding and reading between the lines, you kind of realize that that's all, like, just TO data. So if you go buy one of the original, like, armorer's manuals for the M16, M16A1, M16A2, you're like, oh, hey, here's all the here's all the Chad gauges. Oh, it gets, it's not hard to find. So on a different topic, let's uh, let's talk about favorite guns. What's what's your favorite gun there? Go for it. Lead the conversation. Uh, favorite competition rifle would be LMC. You burned up really bad there. Not even gonna lie. Uh, my competition guns I like the most are my LWRC. It's a, just an ICD. Uh, you know. Yeah. I just I like them because they just I shoot uh, CZs. I get checkmated to guess on them. Which TS do you have? Do you have the, the orange, the blue? What do you got? Um, I've got, I've got the TS Blue, that was my first CV competition. I got a TSO, yeah, back to orange. You pretty much, you, you pretty much got the whole lineup going there. Yeah. I've got Shadow Team. It's a 60,000 gun. Shadow. I had a. I was shooting one competition, all of a sudden, slide locked up. So I got to slap it forward. It's not moving. Yeah. Drop the bag, and I cannot get the slide forward. Lock the rear. I have to be So go to the safety table, pull out the bowl, and come back. Finally, knock it down. I had a. It's a design one. How long did it take? All right, I emailed them and said, well, this happened. This happened a couple times. It happened once after that. And I said, what do I do about this? You know, what's the problem? They go, I'd send them on gun and what? We'll send you a new guide rod that, that won't rotate and jam up the gun. I'll see one back with the problem. So, tell you about the problem. This is the bad time. I'll bottle. And here's the other failure. Just to answer. I like more fortunes to it. 
Coming in pretty broken. That's weird. Can you hear me now? Broken. I heard it here, and that's about it. I don't know what's up. I don't know if it's you, I don't know if it's me. I do live in the middle of nowhere, so maybe it's me. That said, I feel like we've done well for a for an episode. So I'll, I will uh, I will cut it here. Granted, I don't have the actual controls, so Ethan will have to come back in, in like four hours and go through all this shit to uh, cut it off. But <laughs> I will cut it and go ahead and say this has been the Clone Incorrect podcast with iDryFire22s, which is a super awesome individual. Uh, y'all have a good night. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate y'all. Have a good night. And we'll cut it there, and that'll be the episode. And now we can just bullshit and have the after hours, and uh, we can say what the fuck we want. Stocks on everything. Illegal SBRs. Illegal machine guns. Yeah, see how that works? So, so Utah, are you close to desert brutality and where they do that? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's closer than me. I'm North Dakota. That's a, that's a drive. Um, is this something you've ever thought about doing? What's that? Is it something you've ever thought about going and doing, or is like the the drama involved with that? Like, I don't want to touch it. Uh, you know, I I used to do the hard as hells. That was before the brutality stuff. Yeah, I know. I know hard as hell. That's I grew up watching that. Yeah, it's. Um, I used to do those, and then uh, the range there, SUPS, Southern Utah Practical Shooting Center, or whatever it is. Um, they had to shut down for a while, and they had to turn their entire range to face the other way because housing was getting too close. And they were firing oh, in the, fuck. yeah. So they had to redesign their entire range, and now the bays all suck. From what I heard, I haven't shot there since. They've uh, redone it, but um, yeah, they started doing the brutality stuff after that. Well, while that shutdown was going on, that's when uh, in range started their brutality stuff at uh, in Arizona, and then yeah, and yeah, now they're doing it at. Uh, southern utah and yeah they're doing other places too i yeah it kind of i don't know the hardest hell thing was that was before the larpers really got heavy into it you know the the um 
in range guys, they started the what would stoner do type of movement, right? Yeah. And so they and they were already doing the hard as hell stuff. So they drew that crowd in and that's where all the kind of controversy started, you know, because you had competition shooters and and LARPers all kind of intermingling and you kinda like we don't like you. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't like you. This is weird. <laughs> and yeah, so that kinda it it's kind of puts a weird vibe in the air. I don't know. I, I, can, I, I imagine it does. Like, I, like I see that divide. Like, because I'm in the Clover Guy community more than anything. Uh-huh. Like, and there's there's nothing wrong with either community. I'm in that weird spot where I'm like, okay, what would Stern do is okay. Some of the ideas here are fucking retarded. Go away. And then I'm in the cloner community more than anything because I respect the rifles. I respect the history. You know, that's that's where I'm coming from. Let's document the history. And so I get it. And, like, I can see both sides. Calling what Ian and Carl, and now mainly Carl, because Carl's the only one really pulling for it at this point. You know, calling that what would Stoner do, I feel like was a stretch. Because there's yeah. some stuff in that gun that just does not make sense for a modern military gun. Like, I see what you were trying to do. I don't think that was it, though. You know, but I respect the effort. I don't think that was the right move to call it what you called it. But at least I respect the effort. I think uh, it was a fun project to to put out there. It, it and, was, and I think it ended up in a very good, like, competition rifle. Yeah. Plus, it for was a, for a gun was, for competition purposes. I feel like it's a it's a good gun. I feel like if I was going to go march into the Ukraine tomorrow. I would rather have a block two. Yeah. Or even even the new like URGI stuff. Like I would rather have a block two or URGI than have a WWSD twenty twenty gun. Because I'm just gonna feel more confident because I know it's more durable. Right. Because I know I could grab my Block 2 out of my closet and toss it off my third floor balcony right now, and it's going to survive. It might not be intact, but it's going to survive. It's going to work. But I know if I went and grabbed a WWSD and did the same thing, something's going to break. Yeah, it's going to shatter a little. Just a little. (laughs) I built a uh, uh, 22 for a steel challenge out of a KP-15 and a CMMG uh, barrel and bolt kit. I bet you that runs like a rape date. It ran great. And I I wanted to put a uh, a CMC trigger in it, right? Yeah. So I bought one. I go to drop it in, and the holes just almost line up, but not really. I'm like, oh, you bastards. And they what they did on the KP-15 on the where the front of the 
the trigger cassette drops in there and hits the, the front of the receiver where it's uh, let out there, they put a radius in the polymer there so that uh, a cassette trigger won't drop in there. Really? Like, yeah, they made it they made it so that their KP triggers were almost proprietary to the to that lower. To the gum. Yeah. yeah. They knew what they were doing. But I got a Russell's Dremel. Russell's not an idiot. No. Yeah, I just kind of, I rounded off the front of the cassette of my, uh, of the the trigger there. And then took just a little of the polymer material out of that little bend in the front. And it, I got it to fit in there. Ingenuity at its finest. Yeah. A little bit of modification didn't hurt it structurally or anything, so. Yeah, I was, was kind of wondering about that, though. Like, what all in there was proprietary? Just from their standpoint or from them and the from old model? From standpoint. Not, not from, like, Going from calf to KE, but just KE, just to make sure like their parts were optimized, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of confirms my suspicion, like saying that you couldn't drop your, you know, your cassette trigger in without modification, but KE's trigger would have worked. That kind of confirms my okay. There was some things done to optimize towards just KE parts, which I can't blame them for. It's their lower. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you're building an AR, it's kind of a shitty move. Yeah, you want to put the stuff in there that you like. It's got to be... You want to keep it as close to original as you can. Because everybody has their preferences. Yeah. Like me, I like Geisley two-stage fingers. Oh, yeah, the SAE is my favorite. I've got that and everything. No, yeah, and I just, I'll admittedly say, I just found the SSAE, and I'll never go back. Like, that is, that is the best AR trigger I've ever used. It's great. Uh, I should have switched sooner. But, I mean, that's a great trigger, and... That makes me wonder, I mean, is it completely compatible with the KDKP lower? Like, can I put that trigger in there? It's going to work fine. Or am I going to do some modification? Yeah, I don't know. Only and then, like, on. you know, Recoil did that select fire version as a review piece. You know, you know, how much, ver- how much, uh, how much modification was done to the select fire version to have it work? You know, I'm just, just hearing you say, hey, I had to modify for this extremely common drop-in cassette. Like, that makes me go, oh, shit. You know, what else has changed here through this gun? I know. That's, uh, that's the weird reviewer stance I take here and there. Other than that, and you have to use their um, uh, what is it? The Well, you, you put the, the pins through and you have to use their longer screws. Yeah. Because 
Yeah, the the one section of the lower is a little bit fatter on the yep. um, on the front the front pin. Yeah. Well, it's always bothered me too that the pins aren't captive. All right, these fools completely forgot to record an outro, and I think the bot stopped recording because they talked too long. Uh, thanks for listening to Clone Incorrect Podcast Episode 41. This was with iDryFire 22s. Hey, uh, give us five stars on Spotify. Leave us a half-decent review on Apple Podcasts. And maybe check out some merch and stuff at cloneincorrect.com. And maybe buy a hat or whatever. I don't give a shit. Whatever you want to fucking do, give us one star. Uh, rate our merch one star. Buy our merch, burn it, send it to Spotify headquarters and say, hey, this podcast, it needs uh, less than one star. It needs negative stars. That would be cool. Okay, bye.